You are listening to the Living Way Church podcast. For more information about Living Way Church, go to livingwaychurch.cc. We are talking about the mysterious gift of prayer, probably the greatest privilege that we've ever been given in our life and the absolute most important uh, gift that has been given to a follower of Jesus Christ. We're called to, encouraged to, charged to, and commanded to, but yet it's the number one most neglected spiritual tool in life. Uh, Have you guys ever wondered if that works, you know? Does the tin can string work? Well, we're going to find out. It does. Uh, I actually tried this out earlier. I need somebody to help me out here because we're going to take this as far back as it can go. So uh, here, Lauren, could you just pass it back through the crowd and just keep passing it back until it reaches, oh, here, let's do this in. Here we go. And just pass it out. Let's take it back. Just keep passing it back. Until it stops. I'm not sure how far we'll go. It did my sidewalk, um, but it, <laughs> I won't take off in here on purpose. Here, let's go on the other side of you, Ida. There we go. All right, keep going. Any of you guys ever did this when you were a kid? Yeah? Yeah, this is going... All right, is it going to go? It's a little bit more? Look at that. It goes to Clarissa. All right, pull it tight, pull it snug. I won't take your ear off, people. All right, put it up to your ear. Here, I'm going to turn my microphone off. Oh, you already did it? All right. Can you hear me? Here, talk in yours. What? Did you talk? <laughs> go ahead, talk in it. Pull it tight. All right. All right, let's do one at a time. (laughs) Put it on your ear. Can you hear what I'm saying? Say that again. All right, this is cool. Talking to it. Pull it tight. Go ahead. Keep talking. That is so cool. I ain't gonna lie. That is the boss. All right. Oh, if only we could understand it better. All right. Here, let's do this. Let's put it, uh, let's drop it down somewhere. It's not gonna like pop somebody. So let's take it over here. Uh, here we go. Corey, why don't you hang on to it for a second? Because that way I can, I can move it over a little bit. You can set it down in front of you or there you go. And then I'm gonna set this down and it's gonna go right through Tiny and Ida. All right, I'm going to set this here. Okay, because I'm coming back to that. It's right through Stephen, right on his head. That was intentional. Uh, actually, I, I wasn't sure how far it was going to go. My hope was that it would go all the way to Luke, uh, but it didn't. Now, we who's done that before? Who's ever made the tin can telephone before? You know, it's pretty cool. Uh, you can kind of, now, if it's quiet, you can kind of hear it a little bit. If you pull it nice and tight, it's a little bit crisper sometimes. It's pretty amazing, but it's not very audible, is it? I mean, it, well, it's audible, but it's not very, uh, it's not really distinct in, in, in what the words are saying. Um, oftentimes, I think, I think our prayer life is just like that, isn't it? You know, we like, we, we get out there with God, I'm going to get, I'm going to do this. Pastor Ted said to pray. 
So I'm going to pray. And when we hear God, it sounds like the parents from Charlie Brown. You're like, what, God? What, God? It's, it's hard to understand. And, and oftentimes we're, we're confused about prayer and its intentions and its purpose. I mean, it's been turned into so many things. I mean, it's been misunderstood, turned into formulas, methods, and a means to get things. We can't get this wrong. As I said on Facebook this week, our, our spiritual life depends upon it. Our family depends upon this. Our church depends on it. And, and, and just looking at the news, our country depends on it, and our world depends on it. I mean, prayer is not meditation. Um, that's not prayer. Prayer is not reflection. I'm going to think about God for a while. Prayer is not positive thinking. Just be positive. You know, I had cancer in 2009, and uh, I, all these good intentioned, good-hearted people, you say, just stay positive, Ted. You can be, just stay positive. You just got to have a positive attitude. You'll get through this. You know, there's not a positive attitude that will, that will get rid of some of life's most painful experiences. A uh, positive attitude is not the answer. Uh, prayer is not a positive attitude. Prayer is not necessarily even something that we do as much as it's more about someone that we are with. It's more about a place. It's more about being in the place of, 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 of the presence of God. And so what I want to do is I want to follow up on that. And uh, this week, I want to begin to unpack uh, the Lord's Prayer, which is uh, the way that Jesus said to pray. So let's kind of take a look at it. The story is actually Matthew 6. And just before he tells us how to pray, he gives us a few instructions on when you pray. So let's take a look at them real fast, and we're going to dive into the Lord's Prayer. So Matthew 6, 5, it says, and when you pray, Jesus assumes his disciples will pray. This is not a matter of should I pray. This is a matter of when I pray, all right? So some of you guys, you need to be rearranging how you think about your prayer life. I mean, if you're a Christian, then this is, a, this is fundamental. If you're not a Christian, then I want you to know that you have access through Jesus Christ to the very creator of the universe, and so prayer is, is a precious privilege. It's an amazing gift. So this is what he says. When you pray, do not be like the hypocrites, for they love to pray standing in the synagogues and on the street corners to be seen by others. That means they pray to get attention, to impress others, and to show how spiritual they are. He goes on to say, truly I tell you, they have received their reward in full. What's the reward that they have received? Well, the people's honor. Because people are going, wow, how spiritual you are. Here's the first thing I want you to know. Remember, when you pray, you don't need to be a professional at prayer. All right? Some of you guys, I just don't know how to pray. You know, my words just don't sound like Pastor Ted's or, my, or like my wife's or like my, or, or, or like Sean's. But man, the words are just, they just seem to flow naturally with you. I just, I seem to stumble. Well, good news. You don't have to worry about what other people think anyways. You can stumble. You can struggle. You can even study your way all through a prayer. God hears it because you don't need to be a professional. At praying, he goes on to say, when you pray, go into your room. Close the door and pray to your father who is unseen. Now, this room is actual, uh, could represent an actual room or a symbolic room, the room of the heart. Maybe you need an actual place. Maybe some of you, you need to clear the, the noise out of your life and, and stop hunting Pokemon and turn off your, your Snapchat and your Twitter and your Facebook and, and just put your phone away and step away 
uh, to a place of prayer. He says, um, <laughs> just get a kick out of them. People, they, they, they Snapchat or photograph their prayer times. <laughs> it's like, you're doing exactly what he said not to do. It's like, hashtag blessed. I'm praying. Picture. Can somebody take a picture of my hands, please? <laughs> take a picture of me now. It's like, you're like all serious. You know. Hashtag praying. It says, uh, you know, he's not forbidding public prayer, by the way. Jesus publicly prayed a lot. I mean, he prayed publicly and before people everywhere he went. The disciples prayed publicly and a lot. In fact, the Lord's Prayer, which we're about to look at, is a corporate invitation to pray publicly. So he's not talking about not praying corporately. He's highlighting the aspect of the heart of personal prayer. You see, the first part, he says, when you pray, and then when he gets to the Lord's Prayer, everything is about us, our, and, and uh, uh, doing it together. But he can see there is a private time of prayer and there's a public time of prayer. But when it is a public time of prayer, it is not about getting attention on ourselves. He says, if you have the right attitude where you close the door of your heart or close actually your place, yourself away from others, when you focus on him, then the Lord sees what is done in secret, and he will reward you. The reward is the very presence of God. Your reward is God. It's the Father. So remember this, prayer requires more of the heart than the tongue. This is important because prayer is always directed to God and God alone. We don't, we don't have times of prayer to display our group spirituality. You know, we, we don't declare a time of prayer so that the people around us can know how serious we are about the world's issues or about their issues or about somebody uh, or, or an event uh, because our prayers are always about walking into the place, into that presence. Remember, prayer is not something we do. It's more about someone we're with. It's, it's, it's about talking to God. In fact, prayer in its basic definition is simply talking to God. It's not talking to your neighbor. It's not talking to your family. It's not talking to your friends. It's talking to God. So even when you're praying with somebody and for someone, you're talking to God. It's an intimate time between you and the Father, even when you're praying with someone. See, the key is remembering that every time you pray, you're going before God. Think about this. Every time you sit down to pray for your meal and thank God that he has provided for you another opportunity to have food. You know, when we pray, man, I'm not just, God, thank you for our food. Jesus, I, I, I tried to the deepest part of me to realize that we have this, I'm actually moving into the very presence of God when I uh, you know, call out to him. And when I seek his face, I'm there. You know, when I pray for my family, when I'm praying with you, when I'm at the hospital or when I'm at a family event, Thanksgiving's coming up, man, everybody's going, like, who's going to do the prayer? Who's going to do the prayer at the table? I remember when I was a, how old was I? I was like sixth, seventh grade, and I was nominated to be the person to pray for Thanksgiving meal. And back in Indiana, where I moved here from, we had a large reunion, family reunion type Thanksgiving. So we're talking about a house filled with people. And here's little nerdy Ted uh, nominated to, to do the prayer. And I'm like, man, this, this is my moment. This is my moment, right? I, you know, I gave my life to Jesus at 13. So, uh, you know, I was like barely a Christian. And, you know, I don't know what was going on. And we were barely even churchgoers. And, and so, so, man, I just, I remember I took the day, the morning and I wrote out my prayer. I was like, man, I'm going to read. This is going to be good for me. This is going to be good. I'm going to think about that. I'm going to pray about this. And, and I remember it came time to prayer. 
<clears throat> Father, and I began to read the prayer in Jesus' name. Amen. Everybody's like, man, that's good, Ted. Man, that's good. That's good. You know, and I, I looking back, I'm thinking, I don't think I was praying at all. I was rehearsing an event for the approval of the people around me. You know, when we pray, we are going into the very presence of God. Remember, it's more of the heart than the tongue. And he says, number verse 7, and when you pray, he says, don't keep on babbling like pagans. For they think they will be heard because of their many words. You know, repetitious prayers. You know, repetitious formulas. Some churches, it's liturgy. You know, uh, intense. You know, or, or maybe, man, I come from a, a background where, there were, where prayer meetings were like all night long. And I ain't going to lie, they were painful. They were painful. And I was on staff at a church. I was like, man, when there was an all-night prayer meeting, the youth pastor had to go. So I'm like, oh, Lord Jesus, help me. Because I believe what we're trying to accomplish can be done in 30 minutes, and they want to pray for 10, 12 hours. So, uh, and so we'd be in there, and I'm like, man, I'm going to be suffering for Jesus <laughs> at a prayer meeting. Because often I felt like what was happening, it was just about repetitious. It was about formulas. And they would have these long lists of pray this, 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 and this, and this order. There are these prayer conferences, prayer seminars, where they would tell you how to get your healing or how to get that thing or how to get that issue in your family. And it was like this step-by-step thing. I'm like, man, this is so not what Jesus said. I mean, and then we get, all, we get all sweaty and frothy at the mouth, and we get stomping and declaring and demanding. We just, ah, you know, there's a moment when our emotions just overtake us in prayer because we're very serious about, about spiritual warfare, which we're going to talk about in a few weeks. But there's also times when we do those things purely out of this idea that that's what we're supposed to do, you know? And, and, and all of a sudden, we, we get demanding in our prayers, demanding of God of things, and even demanding of, of the spirit realm. And it's almost like the occult is, is in display in, in some of our prayer times. And many times there are even selfish prayers, and they are absent the heart. This is the whole point. When you pray, it's about the, it's about the heart. It's about entering boldly the throne of God and, and relishing in his presence and being in awe of who he is, and being humbled by him, and submitting your life to his will and way, which we're going to talk about next week when we get to the next part of the Lord's Prayer. But, man, Jesus said, when you pray, he says, don't keep on babbling like pagans, for they think they will be heard because of their many words. Here's another thing I want you to remember. Remember, you cannot impress God with your prayers. You can, you can get all the prayer books and follow the author's step-by-step plan, but you won't impress God. You know, the prayer of someone who is a follower of Jesus Christ who has no idea how to prayer, but whose heart is humble and broken before the Lord is heard just as powerfully as the person who's been a Christian for 30 years and written four books on prayer. It is the same presence of God before the same God. God answers the heart of a follower of Christ not the words, but the heart, but our words declare our faithfulness and our submission, but God's looking at the heart, the secret place behind the words. Learning to pray is not about getting more out of God. It's not about getting the golden ticket or the secret formula. I do not pray better than any of you. I just pray more confidently than some of you. 
Sincere prayers rooted deep in Christ are powerful. The only difference between your prayers and my prayers or is that I have a little bit more confidence that God hears me when I pray. It's not my style. It's not my words. It's not my technique. It is simply an issue of submission and confidence that the Lord is hearing them. I often tell people reading the Bible and praying does not make God love you more. You just know God's love more. So I want to encourage you to pray. And don't be intimidated by your lack of understanding. He says, when you pray, it's between you and the Lord. Don't forget about that. Even when you're in a public place, it's between you and the Lord. And he hears the heart that is humble and broken before him. And he says this, verse 8, Do not be like them, for your Father knows what you need before you ask. And this is the last thing I want you to remember before he gets into the Lord's Prayer. He says, remember this, when you pray, pray prayer is not about is that prayer is about fueling our faith, not informing our God. This is huge because we're not going before God. Say, God, I don't know if you heard about what's going on in politics today. God, I don't know if you saw the latest news story. Father, I don't know if you've heard who's in the hospital. Father, I don't know if you're on vacation right now, but, man, we got in a car wreck. Father, Father, are you paying attention? I don't know. I know you're a busy man. I know you're, you're trying to answer the prayers of the world's leaders and you're trying to work out global events, but I'm here in, in Saxe, Texas, 5817 Vista Park, Woodbridge Lane. I really would appreciate it if I could just have your, your attention for just a moment, you know. We, we kind of get this impression that somehow we're informing God, but Jesus reminds us, it says, the Father knows what you ask even before, uh, what you need even before you ask. God is not absent-minded. He's not distracted or in need of current events or news. You can't tell him something he doesn't already know. Right now, God knows what you're going through this morning. Right now, God knows what's going on in your family. He knows what's going on in your finances. He knows what's going on at your work. And I, and I tell you, just in the last week, man, we've had we've had incident after incident of issues with people in our church. And, and I tell you, man, the Lord hears. He is well aware and he is, he is actively moving in a part of what's happening in our life. But we can just look to him and, 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 and bow ourselves before him and, and submit our life to him. Uh, we will have that peace that, that comes with, 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 uh, with assurance that he hears us, but that peace that surpasses understanding. See, prayer lines our will to his. So I want to ask yourself this. When you think of prayer, when you think of the Lord's presence, when you think of God, do you think of him as God as being more useful or more beautiful? Because if you look at God as more useful, then you're actually looking at him as someone who can meet your needs. If you look to him as something that is more beautiful, then you're just in awe of his grace and wonder, and you're just happy to be with him. You're just happy to be in his presence. See, there's a difference in how we walk with God, and when we pray, it reveals the heart of our life. See, so Jesus says, when you pray, remember these things. See, Jesus then gives us the most famous prayer on the planet, the Lord's Prayer. And if you have not already, over the next few weeks, I want you to memorize the Lord's Prayer, okay? And each week, we're going to do a portion of it. And, you know, if you haven't in your whole life memorized the Lord's Prayer, it's not like memorizing you know, Macbeth, or how many of you guys had to memorize a section of British literature when you were a senior in high school? Those of you who are seniors, how many of you actually did 
memorize the section <laughs> in high school. Some of you guys. All right. You know, in, when you're a senior in high school and even in junior stuff, you have to memorize sections of, of famous literature. This is not famous literature to memorize. This is the heart of God. This is the heart of a dad to his kids relating to us how we can best communicate him so that we don't have to pull the can and go, God, are you there? Hello? Is this thing on? Does he need to be plugged in, anybody? Hello? You know, oftentimes uh, the father is like, hey, here's my phone number. All right. In fact, you're going to learn God's phone number in, in small groups this week. It's Jeremiah 333. You can write that in your notes. And you can look that up later on. That's God's phone number. So Jesus basically gives us a reminder when you pray. And then he says this. This is how you pray. Verse 9. This then is how you should pray. Our Father, by the way, notice from here on out, it's our, us, together, all right? So this is how you should pray. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. In fact, let's read it together. You can read it on the screen or uh, because that's the translation I'm using. Let's pray it together. Then Jesus said, this is how you should pray. Here we go. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us today our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we also have forgiven our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. For yours is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. This is not an incantation. This is not a good luck charm to pray before a game. This is not the fix-all for every issue that you have or when you're about to walk into a haunted house in the next couple of weeks. This is not some sort of penance to solve the problems that you have caused. This is not a way to fix or forgive your sins. This is a way to connect with the Father and to discover how our sins can be forgiven. See, the Lord's Prayer is less a formula and more of an outline. This is important to know that because what we're going to do is what, what Jesus gave us was not a formula, pray this and you're done. He gave us an outline. He kind of gave us the, the, the overall view of how prayer should look. And what we're going to do is we're going to take the words of Jesus and we're going to see what that outline means for our prayer life. See, there are many outlines of this. It's simple and yet spectacular. This is the one that I've come up for myself. Uh, and that is broken up into five parts. The first one is praise. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be or holy is your name. It's a call to praise and worship. It's a call to realize who God is that's why the Bible says, enter his gates with thanksgiving. We are to enter his courts with praise. We are to begin and humbly approach the throne of grace with humility and awe and worship. So he says, our Father in heaven, hallowed be, holy is your name. We're going to break that apart this morning. The second part is purpose. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. You see, the, a large part of our prayer is surrendering our life to the authority of God. Oftentimes, we immediately pray when we want something and when we need something and when we are desiring his help. And so prayer is, all right, God, I know this is what I need, so I'd really appreciate it. Boop, 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 boop. I'm hitting the buttons and pulling the lever. I'm putting in my prayer time. 
pulling the lever, and I've got it, right? So we look at prayer as something of us getting, but it's really something of surrendering. So he says, your kingdom, your will. Okay, the next part of the Lord's Prayer is provision. And he breaks it into three parts, practical needs, spiritual needs, and relational needs. In the practical needs, it's give us today our daily bread. God, my practical needs are I need food on the table. I need my bills paid. God, I need gas in the, in the tank. Practical needs. And then spiritual needs. And forgive us our sins. You see, the biggest need that you have is, is that you got a sin problem. You don't have a gas problem or a bill problem or a money problem. Your biggest problem is you got a spiritual problem. you got a sin problem. So the next part of that prayer is Jesus is saying, hey, you need to center in on that whole idea of forgiveness of your sins. Every time you go before the Lord, you go before his presence. Sometimes you don't even get to your needs. All you realize is you're a sinner, and that's the greatest need that he can meet. And then he goes to the relational needs, and he says, as we also forgive our debtors. See, there's an issue of relationship here. You can't expect to be in good relationship with people if you've got unforgiveness in your heart. So he says, you know what? I'm here, God says, to work in every area of your life. And Jesus says, you know, it's okay to go before him for your practical, spiritual, and relational needs. And then there's protection. This is section four, and that is, lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. See, there's a way of, a, of escape. There's a way of rescue in the daily battles in this life. I mean, how many of you guys ever feel like, man, life is just attacking you? Anybody feel, raise your hand if you feel like, man, I feel attacked, like life is coming at me. All right. Some of you guys, most of us feel like, man, every time I turn around, I mean, every time, you know, being in ministry, we hear everybody's problems in the church. They usually make their way back to us through somebody or through you. And we're like, man, our church is under attack. And, you know, we believe that there is a real enemy, and that enemy is the devil himself. And we believe there is a real devil. His name uh, is, is, is referred to as Lucifer, but that's not really his name. That was the name of a king in the Old Testament who was compared to the great deceiver, Satan. Uh, but this great deceiver, we can call him Lucifer, but that's not his real name. We don't know his name. He's just called the deceiver through the whole Old Testament and the father of lies. He's a, he's a liar, and he, he seeks to, to kill, steal, and destroy God's plan and purpose. And you know what? This part of the prayer is all about learning, about spiritual warfare, and how to know who God is in the midst of that attack. And uh, we're going to talk about that uh, October 30th, actually. And then the last part is praise. For yours is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Begins with praise, ends with praise. Now, interestingly, that last part is not in all your Bibles. Some translations don't even have that last line. And uh, we're going to talk about why that is when we get to that section, all right? So that's basically the outline that you begin with praise, begin with uh Begin with praise, end with praise, and in the middle you got purpose, provision, protection. Notice we acknowledge the supremacy of God, the dependency of God, and the power of God, his name, his kingdom, and his will. So this week what I want to do, I want to focus on just that first part, our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. So we're going to take a look at that right now. We start in humble acknowledgement of who God is. It's a call to worship. So here's the breakdown. What I'm going to do, this is the only week I'm going to do this. I'm actually going to break apart every word in that line because it is so powerful. 
I pray the Lord's Prayer uh, all the time, all the time. Many nights when I get into bed, uh, when I when I start going to sleep, I go to bed praying the Lord's Prayer, but I don't pray just, Our Father art in heaven, how be thy name of the King. I actually pray through what I'm about to teach you guys over the next few weeks. And it is, once you memorize that prayer, you've got access. Like, I don't even know what to pray. I don't know how to, you know, I know I'm supposed to. What do I say? Well, this is it. Let's go to the first one, our. This is important. We need to learn to pray together. That's the first thing I want you to know. We need to learn to pray together. As you're going to find, in the, there, he says eight times, our, us, and we. There's a community aspect to prayer. Many times prayer is a private part of our life, like when we go to bed at night or when we get up in the morning and throughout the day we're supposed to have this attitude of prayer, but there are very specific moments where there's a community aspect to prayer. Many times in the Bible, in fact, if you were to read and look up, do a study on all the places where there's prayer in the Bible, the majority of them are in the context of a community praying together calling out to God together. In fact, Jesus says in Matthew 18, 19, he says, again, truly I tell you that if two of you on earth agree about asking anything, uh, anything they ask for, of course, if it's in God's will, uh, it will be done for them by my Father in heaven. See, this is what's known as the power of corporate prayer. When we pray together, man, when we pray together as a church, Man, we are unified, and we believe, man, the manifest presence of God shows up. Here in just a minute, we're not just teaching about prayer, but here in just a minute, before we go, we're actually going to pray together as a family, as a, as a church. We're going to pray together. And if you're not a Christian, then just kind of be weirded out for a little bit because we're going to pray. We're, you're going to see what it's like to be in a place with people who are praying in the secret place of their heart, even in a public place. See, there's prayer also in our family. Some of you men, it's time to lead the prayer in your family. Moms, it's time to even encourage and challenge and for you to step up and begin to pray, not just privately for your family, but together with your family. I'll tell you what, since my girls were babies, this is the truth, I have prayed with them about every single night. The only nights I haven't is when I've been sick or they've been out of the house. And occasionally, if they have a friend spend the night, even I'll still go in and pray for them with a friend there. Because I believe in the power of prayer with my kids. I believe in the power of prayer with my family. We pray together as a family. We have Bible studies together. I want to tell you, I'm going to do a confession here. And I hope this is a confession uh, for some of you husbands and men to kind of do this. And, and, And that is, you know, I pray with my wife when needed. I pray with my kids every day, regardless of whether they need it. And my wife needs me to pray with her every single day, whether she needs it or not, or whether I need it or not, or whether we have a family issue. So I'm going to tell you guys, I'm going to tell my wife in front of all of y'all, uh, I've been praying with my kids every single day, one-on-one. I will be praying with my wife every single day for the rest of our life together, one-on-one. Okay, not just when we need it, not just when it comes up. She joins us when we pray with the kids. But you know what? My wife needs that time with me. I need that time with her. And I want to challenge some of you men to make that commitment, to make that challenge, to be strong enough to acknowledge that that you need somebody and that she needs you and that you can be a better man by praying with your wife. 
and, and not just intentionally kind of thinking that it's, you know, that your intentions are good, but actually putting it on a calendar and saying, hey, this is what we're going to do. This is when we're going to do it. And, and, and make sure it happens every day. It doesn't have to be a big, long prayer. You know, God, here's our list of 100 things that are going on in our family. No, just a submission of your family before the Lord and uh, asking each other for any prayer requests. And I tell you, I want to tell my wife that, you know, uh, we pray together, but not as much as we should. So you know what? I'm telling you right now, this power of corporate prayer hour, you know, even though I pray every night before the Lord, I'm going to pray every day with my wife. How about you? Anybody with me on that? Anybody say amen to that? Amen. Amen. And you know, wives, you know, if your husband's uh, not inclined to do that, then will you encourage him and pray with him whether he wants to pray or not, right? And you can lead that prayer. It's okay. All right? And then, uh, you know, be a loving, encouraging uh, person in his life. And if you're a single mom, then you just take that mantle and you pray with your kids. Man, you lay hands on them. And, you know, every night, every night I lay hands on my daughters and I pray for them. Every night. That's the power of corporal prayer in our church, in our family, as a couple. Here's the second thing. He says, our, and then he says, father. See, prayer is relationship-based. It's important to realize this goes back to prayer. It's not about something you do. It's about someone that you're with. It's not based on a formula or a posture, but on our Father. It's not, he, and by the way, our Father, it doesn't say our parent who art in heaven. It doesn't say our mother who is in heaven. Why is it that is very specific? And it's not because it was a masculine, you know, a man-dominated culture. It's because there's an, a spiritual attribute attached to the masculinity of God. God is not uh, a, a gender, all right? God does not have genitalia. He does not have a gender. He's not a man, but he is our father. Jesus, who is God in the flesh, is a man. But when we respond to, to God, there's a reason why it was a father, not just a parent, because that father attribute uh, defines this sense of masculine, strong authority. That when we go before our father, there's that sense of power and strength and authority there. See, this is the closest possible relationship with God that a person can ever have. And it is a special title. Let me tell you something. The word father there is Abba. And we're going to look at this here in a second. But the word Abba doesn't just mean, oh, father. It means daddy. It's a very intimate Name And I'll tell you, I've got kids in our life that might look to me as a dad, but I only got two girls that call me daddy, right? And I might be a father to some of you, but I only got two that call me daddy. And as close as we are, we're not as close as my two daughters. Because that title, that relationship, that intimacy that comes with that name is so special. And guys, listen, as a follower of Jesus Christ, through the power of Jesus Christ, we're going to talk about it in a second. We have the ability to say, Daddy, Father. <laughs> you know, the whole world can call you God and the man upstairs, my homeboy, but God, I get to call you my dad. That's an intimate relationship that is very unique to a follower of Jesus Christ. It's the closest possible relationship that a human being can have. This is profound. Other religions represent God or present God as a creator, as a ruler, as a commander, as a judge, and even king. But only the God of the Bible, only the Bible reveals the true and living God. And only the Bible calls him our father. A loving, caring, nurturing, protective father. Your view of your father in real life often plays a role 
in your faith. The father wounds that we often have can sometimes inhibit our ability. If we've had a poor father in this life, oftentimes we tend to have a poor father relationship with our God in heaven. But I'm going to tell you something. The Bible makes it clear. He's a father to the fatherless. And maybe some of you have had a bad, distant, or a strange, or an absent father relationship. There's not a single relationship on the planet that affects us as deeply or can, has the ability to wound us as significantly as a father relationship, whether you're male or female. The father relationship is special, and sometimes our earthly fathers kind of blow it, don't they? Some of you have kind of blown it. But you know what? There's a good father. He's a good father, and he loves you, and he cares for you, and he's calling for you to come in. We can pray, our father, my dad, my dad, I get to call to you. I get to come to you. Don't allow that, that burn from your father to affect your relationship with the good father. If you have a poor father, know this, you can be adopted into the spiritual family of God. See, here's the reality. I have a question for you. Are we all God's children? Trick question. Are we all all God's children? No, we're not. Is God the father of all? No, he's not. Trick question. You see, listen, God is the creator of all. He's a father to the redeemed. You see, apart from Jesus Christ, the Bible says we are spiritual orphans. And he is not our father. He's our God. He's our creator, whether you realize it or not. But he will never be your father without Jesus Christ. This is what the Bible says. John 1.12 says this, that God is creator of all, but only father to the redeemed. John 1.12 says, yet to all who did receive him, Jesus, to those who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God. Galatians 3.26, so in Christ Jesus, in Christ Jesus, you are all children of God through faith in Jesus. Romans 8.15, so you did not receive a spirit that makes you fearful slaves. Instead, you received God's spirit when he adopted you as his own children. Now we call him Abba, Father, which is Daddy, Father. John 14, 6, our theme verse for our church, Jesus says, I am the way, I am the truth, I am the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. Only through Jesus can we, as Hebrews says, boldly come to the throne of our gracious God. There we will receive mercy and we will find grace To us when we need it most, only through Jesus Christ can we boldly go before our Father. You see, this is often called the Lord's Prayer, but you need to realize it was given to the disciples. This is really the disciples' prayer. This is the prayer of a disciple of Jesus Christ. This is a prayer for only those who truly are in relationship with Jesus. You see, we are born rejected by God through our sin, but we are born again accepted by God. Let me say that again. We are born rejected by God, but we are born again through Jesus and accepted by God. Apart from Jesus Christ, you cannot truly say our Father. You can say God and wonder if he ever hears it. 
But as a child of God, we can say our Father and be confident that our God hears it. That's powerful. That is powerful. He goes on to say, uh, by the way, I want to tell you that it is true that we all have a Father. Jesus tells us there are actually two fathers. In John 8, 4, he says that there is Satan who is the father of lies. He's the bad father. And many of you follow your father, the father of lies. You believe his lies about yourself. You believe his lies about life, about culture, about this world. You follow your father, Satan, the father of lies, whether you realize it or not. But then there is the father not only of lies, but Jesus says in, uh, that he is the father of lights. James 1.17 says, Every good gift and perfect gift is from above, coming down from the father of lights. You see, the father of lights is a good, loving father of heaven. See, you have a father, but who is your daddy? Who, who's your daddy? Who is your father? Who do you believe? Who do you follow? Our Father in heaven. That's the next word, in heaven. And I want you to write this down. God's ways are not like ours. This is important to understand when you get to this part of that prayer. Heaven. God's ways are not like ours. God is a Father to us, and he is infinitely above us and over all. He is above the earth and over the earth, and he's called by Scripture our heavenly Father, you see, Mormons, maybe you've heard Mormons refer to God as our heavenly father and they pray to the heavenly father. Let me tell you something. The Mormons do not follow the the God of the Bible. You see, to a Mormon, the heavenly father is not the God of the universe. He's only one of many gods, but he is the God of this planet. And they pray to the God of this planet, their heavenly father. But there are many fathers of many planets, of many places, and many galaxies. The God of the scripture says that our heavenly father is the father of lights and the father of all of the heavens, not just this planet, not just this world. He is the heavenly father of all of creation. Isaiah 55, 8 says, For my thoughts, the father says, are not your thoughts, neither are your ways my ways, declares the Lord. As the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways and my thoughts than your thoughts. Guys, listen, our Father is overall, knows all, sees all, created all. He is omniscient, omnipotent. He is uh, omnipresent. He is immutable. What does that mean? That means he's everywhere simultaneously. He knows all things exhaustively and he knows the deepest rooted issues of our heart and our minds without any missing parts. And he's immutable, it means he never changes. He doesn't get any better. He doesn't get any worse. He doesn't grow in knowledge or understanding. He doesn't learn more tomorrow about you. He knows everything about you right now. He doesn't know what you might do. He knows what you're going to do. That's the knowledge of our heavenly Father. He is a God whose ways are not even close to our ways. So sometimes when we pray, it's best that we acknowledge, God, I'm going into this a little bit not knowing how you're thinking about it because your ways are not my ways. We see this in a prayer of the disciples. We see this in the prayer of the disciples after they were arrested and told that if they preached again, they would be put to death. What we're about to read is in Acts 
chapter 4. This is only a few months after the ascension of Jesus. So that means it's, it's the same year that Jesus died on the cross, maybe about five to six months after Jesus rose again from the dead. They had just put their Savior to death. He was buried. He rose again. He chilled with them for 40 days, teaching them about the kingdom. He ascended to heaven. He said, now go tell the world. So they began to tell the world, and they began to be arrested. And, and two of the guys were brought in and beat to a pulp and said, all right, we're going to let you go. Just don't say any more about Jesus. They went back to the group, and they told him everything that had happened, and this is what they prayed. They did not pray, Father, turn the hearts of our government for us. God, give us favor in the eyes of our political leaders. They didn't pray, God, change the political rulers of our nation. They did not pray, God, you know, open the doors and keep us safe, that everywhere we go, that we can walk on water and that, that nothing ever happens to us. They did not pray that harm would not come their way. This is what they prayed. It says, and when they heard this, they raised their voices together in God, uh, in prayer to God. And they said, the first words they, were, they said were, Sovereign Lord. You know what sovereign means? It means God who's in charge, all right? That means that God is our heavenly Father who knows all things and in control of all things, and he sees all things, and he is uh, uh, over all things. So he says, Sovereign Lord, the, the boss, God. He says, uh, Lord, he says, uh, you made the heavens and the earth and the sea and everything in them. You spoke by the Holy Spirit, through the mouth of your servant, our father David, who said, why do the nations rage and the people plot in vain? He, uh, the kings of the earth rise up and the rulers band together against the Lord and against his anointed one. What, you know what he was saying? He says, a lot of people who plot evil, they plot in vain. That's what he's saying. He says, David is saying, all these people that plot evil in our life, they plot in vain because the Lord is in control. And even their actions cannot stop the plan of God. And they said specifically against the plans of Jesus. They said Jesus came onto the scene, God, and, and you know, they plotted against him to take his life. He says, indeed, verse 27, indeed Herod and Pontius Pilate met together with the Gentiles and the people of Israel in the city to conspire against your holy servant Jesus, whom you anointed. Verse 28, they did not, they did what your power and will had decided beforehand. They did what your power and will had already decided beforehand should happen. Verse 29. Now, Lord, this is, they're basically, they spent all that time saying, God, you are in control. Even the darkest point of our life, the death of our Savior, Jesus Christ, was part of your plan. And he says, now, Lord, this is what we ask. See, that's what they did. They opened up with prayer and acknowledgement of God's plan and will and sovereignty. Now, Lord, consider their threats and enable your servants to speak your word with great boldness. He didn't say, shut them down, God. He didn't say, God, wipe them out. He, they didn't say, God, kill all those that are against us. They said, God, in spite of all that's going on, give me the strength to stand strong. To speak your word with boldness, stretch out your hand to heal and perform signs and wonders through the name of your holy servant, Jesus. That means God, use us to change the world in people's lives. And after they prayed, the place where they were meeting was shaken, and they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and spoke the word of God boldly. See, the most powerful of prayers center on the position of his authority. Guys, listen. Our heavenly Father, our Father in 
heaven acknowledges his power and authority. It's vital that we understand who he is and how he operates. Here's the next thing. He says, holy or hallowed be. Only used twice in the entire New Testament is hallowed. It means holy. It's actually a little bit more than holy. It means this, that God is good and perfect in all his ways. This is vital. When we go before God, we're like, God, I don't know if you're evil. I don't know if you're good. I don't know if you have any power to do anything or if I'm just praying. You see, Heavenly Father acknowledges he has the power to do anything he wants. And then when we pray uh, this part, holy, we acknowledge that everything that he does is good. You see, oftentimes our struggle with God has to do with whether we believe he's actually good or not. We can't decide on whether he's a good God or if he's an evil God or if he's an absent God or if he's a sleeping God or what is up with God. Because I'm looking around, it looks like everything's gone to hell. I'm looking around, everything looks horrible. God, are you there? Man, but hallowed be, that means holy, perfect and good in all of his ways. See, when we pray, we've got to acknowledge that he is separate that he is righteous, that he is good, that he is not like us. He is set apart. The word hallowed is sanctified, which means he is fully 100% separate in his ways and how we think and operate. He is perfect. He is set apart from evil. There is no evil in him. He cannot do evil. In fact, Isaiah 6.3 says, And one called to another and said, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord of hosts. That means of all of the heavens or great armies of angels. The whole earth is full of his glory. That phrase there is mentioned in Isaiah and Revelation as what the angels around the throne declare for eternity. That's all they say. There are angels around the throne that just say that for eternity. Holy, holy, holy. Because they are declaring the goodness of God for eternity. Good and holy in all his ways, he cannot do evil. James says this in James 1.3. By the way, James is the brother, the half-brother of Jesus Christ. James 1.13, it says, When tempted, no one should say, God is tempting me. For God cannot be tempted, nor does he tempt anyone. See, God is perfect even in ways that we don't understand. And he's even perfect when we do not understand. So some of you, you do not understand what is going on in your life right now. You cannot comprehend how you are praying and things are still getting worse. It doesn't make any sense. And so you can't get past the hour. You're like, I don't know if you're a good father. I don't know if you're a heavenly father. I don't know. You just, you just knock. Listen, hang on that. Hang on that hallowed for just a little bit. Because it's not just a word that means, it's not a filler word. It's not a, like this word of reverence. Oh, how would be our name? You know, it, it's this sense that, God, you are good. Even when I don't understand what's going on in my life. Even when I pray and it seems the opposite happens. When life takes a turn, when prayers seem unanswered, when there's pain and tragedy in my life, God is still good and God is still all-powerful for he is hallowed. He is holy. Our relationship with God has got to be rooted in this issue and you will never grow in your walk with God until you understand he is good. He's not just good. He's good. Like 
perfect in all of his ways, righteous in all of his dealings. There's not a, a smidget of evil or vile in him. He is pure and excellent, and, and he's all-powerful at the same time. So that, let that swirl around in your head for a little bit. Then, God, why is there all this going on? His ways are not like our ways. We cannot understand the, 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 the timeline of history without being God himself. See, there's issues of faith here where we have to acknowledge his awesome power and his goodness and submit to his plan. Pray our petitions and requests for the Lord, but just rest in the fact that he's God because he's good. This is the amazing wonder of his prayers found in this Isaiah verse in verse 57, sorry, chapter 57, verse 15. For this is what the high and exalted one says. He who lives forever, whose name is holy. I live in a high and holy place, but also with the one who is contrite and lowly in spirit to revive the spirit of the lowly and revive the heart of the contrite or the broken. I love that verse. Man, this God of the universe, this righteous, sovereign, powerful God of the universe who lives above the heavens, as far as we can imagine or hope. He is there and in control and present everywhere, but he's also with the one who is broken and low in spirit to revive the spirit of the lowly. That means of the depressed, of the hurting. The all-powerful, all-holy God of the universe is close to the humble and broken spirit. And then this is the last part, your name. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. I just want to say this. There's something about that name. There's something about that name. What is the name of God? You know, people like wondered. I mean, we speak English. I don't know if you guys know that. We speak English primarily in America. In South uh, America, uh, Spanish. And in Texas, it's a toss-up. We speak English, but the world speaks a variety of languages. And they, you know, Jesus is a different word. God is a different word in many languages. What is the name of God? Um, Well, the proper name of God is actually given first in Genesis chapter 2, where it says, This is the account of the heavens and the earth when they were created, when the Lord God made the earth and the heavens. Now, that may not sound like his name, but the name of God is right there in those four letters, L-O-R-D, capital letters, only. When you see all four caps of capital L, capital O, capital R, capital D, that is the direct and specific name of God. That name is Yahweh. And basically, it's actually Yahweh, which is actually four letters, which have over time become the word Yahweh, and then Yahuwah, and then over time that Yahuwah became Yahovah, and over time that J took on the J sound because it didn't have it until like 400 years ago, that Yahovah, which is the transliteration of Yahuwah, Yahweh, and Yahweh, is Jehovah. So if you've ever heard the word Jehovah, that's called the transliteration of the word Yahweh. And over the course of time, every time they saw the word Yehovah in the ancient languages, they just translated it in English as capital L-O-R-D. So when you see the word Lord, all caps, that's the word Yahweh. It's Yahuwah. It's Yehovah. It's Jehovah. 
That's the name of God. And here's what's interesting. Those four letters actually have four meanings. The, the first one is behold. The second one is nail. Then it's behold. Then it's hand. Even in the very name of God, it references the crucifixion of Jesus Christ. This was in Genesis chapter 2. The very name of God references the cross that is to come thousands of years later. Even in the very name, it is the name of Jesus. And I love this aspect of his name. It's called the Tetragrammaton. It's four letters transliterated into many different words in the Bible. Um, Yehovah and Adonai sometimes are merged, and uh, you have a, a Jehovah as well. Uh, in Leviticus 22, 32, it says, Do not profane his holy name, for I must be acknowledged as holy by the Israelites. I am the Lord who sanctifies you. And I love Isaiah 42, 8, because the Lord says exactly, I am the Lord. That is the word Yehovah. That is my name and my glory I will not give to another. Now, the reason it's not all caps there is because not all translations capitalize all four. Some translations do. But when, uh, and so not all translations are the same. And, and that's a whole other discussion. We actually talk about that in our Bible course, uh, Living the Way. Um, but we have this declaration. I love this. The names of God in the Bible. I want to end with a couple of thoughts here. The names of God in the Bible declare his attributes and his power. Uh, just sit tight. I was going to put these in the bulletin, but there's too many. But these are some of the names of God in the Bible. Uh, maybe you've heard of El, E-L. That's a universal ancient name for the deity who is God. So the Bible uses El, and different religions use the word El. That's like how we say God, and all kinds of religions say the word God. El is basically the ancient version of the word God. But some of his other names are El and Eloha. Not Aloha, but Eloah, which means strong one. Elohim, which means creator. El Gebhor, which means mighty. El Shaddai, which means almighty, Lord of more than enough. And then there's Atik Yamin, the ancient of days. And there's El Roy, who is the one who sees all things. And there's El Olam, which is the everlasting to everlasting. There is Adonai, our master. There's Alpha and Omega. That is the one who is and is and is to come, who was and is and is to come. And then there's Yahweh Sabbath, the Lord of hosts, the Lord of heavens. There's Yahweh uh, uh, Yerah, which is Lord, our provider. Yahweh Sidgitnu, Lord, our righteousness. Yahweh Shalom, Lord, our peace. Yahweh Mkadesh, Lord, our sanctification. Yahweh Rofe, Lord, our our healer, Yahweh Megan, Lord, our shield and protector, Yahweh Nissi, Lord, our victory and banner, Yahweh Rohi, Lord, our shepherd, Yahweh El Elyon, Lord, most high, Yahweh Shema, the Lord who is always near. These are names of God throughout all of the scriptures, but there is one more name the name that is above all names. And it is at this very name that the demons tremble. And it is the very same God of all these names in the flesh, the one who fulfills all of these names, the one and only. There has never been another, nor will there ever be another like him, Yeshua Hamashiach, which in Hebrew is Yeshua. In Greek, it's Jesus Christo. And we know him now as Jesus Christ. Jesus is Yahweh with human nature in the flesh with us. We have Jesus, the name above all. It literally means Yahweh saves.
the word Yeshua. Hamashiach is Christ or anointed one, the holy one. So he's saying the Lord saves with the anointed one or with the chosen one. Yeshua Hamashiach. Hamashiach is the word Christ. It's also the word Messiah. It's all the same word. Philippians 2 says this, written by the Apostle Paul to help us understand. He says, Christ Jesus, who though he was in the form of God, that means fully God, he did not count equality with God as something to be grasped or held onto or, or to be abused. But he emptied himself by taking the form of a servant, being born in the likeness of men, being found in human form. He humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross. Therefore God exalted him, Yeshua, Jesus, to the highest place and gave him the name that is above every name, that the name of Jesus, every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth, and every tongue acknowledge that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. Guys, listen, every person in this room will confess that Jesus is Lord, and you can either do it as a friend or a foe. You'll understand him as, as a father to a son or you will stand him as a broken foe and enemy of God because our sin separates us and rejects us. However, our life through Christ accepts us. So you will, every person in here, even if you think I'm a nut, even if your friends and coworkers think that you're some sort of Jesus weirdo, they will bow the name to Jesus too. Every person on the planet who's ever lived and whoever will live will bow the knee and say that Jesus Christ is Lord. There is no other name. Acts 4, 12, Peter says this. He declared, salvation is found in no one else, for there is no other name under heaven given to mankind by which we must be saved. It is that name by which we are saved. It is the name that we are redeemed and that demons tremble and run the name of Jesus. So what we're going to do right now is we're going to take some time to pray our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. And that's all we're going to pray. So I'm going to invite you to stand with me for a minute. And we're going to pray. And uh, I'm going to have the band come. And we're just going to, we're going to close our time in prayer. In fact, uh, uh, why don't we do this? Um, go ahead and have a seat for a second. I'm just going to go ahead and pass the offering because I want us to end in prayer. Okay? So uh, if the offering, if you guys doing the offering last minute here, uh, grab your offering buckets. And uh, uh, Sean, do you have any announcements that need to be shared? Did he step out? Okay. No. All right. Don't forget, use that connection card to sign up uh, on some of those things we talked about, greeting and worship team and a ski trip, and a mission trip to, uh, if you're interested in Detroit or Haiti, all right? Uh, let's go ahead and bless that. Father, thank you for this opportunity to give, Lord. Uh, Lord, we need you, Lord, now more than ever, Father. Thank you, God, for taking care of us. In Jesus' name, amen. Hey, I want to encourage you guys uh, to, to, to be faithful in this area of your life. Your giving allows us to be here each week and allows us to continue to look for a place. Uh, we actually put a bid on a place this last week uh, it's just to start a conversation. And so uh, we're going to see how that goes this week. And if it goes well this week, we'll have more information about it on Sunday. But our faithful giving allows us to ensure that we can make that transition into a new location and see the vibe become a reality. So um, go ahead and uh, I'll let that pass for a minute.
why don't you just take a moment while the offering's being passed just to seek the Lord in your life. Just ask the, ask the Father, God, is there something in me that needs to change? Go ahead and ask him, God, is there, is there things in my life that need to be rearranged or set on course in a different direction? Go ahead and talk to God. Just, God, Father, maybe you're here right now and you're not even sure if you can even call him Father because you're not a follower of Jesus Christ. I'd like to give you a chance to, to say yes to Jesus and become one of his kids. And if you bow the knee to Jesus Christ in your heart and say, Jesus, here's my life. Forgive me my sins. Take the reins. He will forgive you your sins and come into your life and begin to work in you. And you'll become a child of God. So would you take a moment right now and just search your heart and ask yourself, are you a child of God? Are you a child of of the Father, ask yourself, God, am I your kid? Am I your son? Am I your daughter? Ask yourself. Father, if there's anyone here who does not know for sure that they are your child, I pray that right now that they would make that decision. I want to lead you in a prayer, a very simple prayer. But if that's you this morning, you say, you know what, I'd like to become a child of the Father. Then, uh, then I want to invite you to pray this prayer with me. Um, it's an invitation to make the Father your Father. So uh, let's pray this together. Dear Father, thank you for looking at me and loving me. Here's my life. Forgive me of my sins. Thank you, Jesus, for the cross that washes me clean. Thank you making me part of your family. Father, fill me with your spirit. Help me to walk with you. Teach me how to pray. In Jesus' name. Amen. Let's all stand. We're going to pray some of this this morning. If you're new, um, well, I want to invite you to pray with us. Okay? Prayer is not words. It's like talking to your dad. So let's pray what we learned today. Let's pray our. Uh, pray for God to lead you to pray together with your family, friends, spouse, and your church. Go ahead and ask God right now, right where you're at. Say, God, give me the, the courage to pray with my family. Not just for, but with my family. Maybe you're a teenager and, you know, this big moment of courage to pray with your parents, husbands, uh, with your wife, and wife with your husbands, and with your kids, and, and not just for, but with them. And so, God, we pray, God, this is, this is what we ask, God. God, teach me to be someone who knows how to pray with people, and, and not just for people, Father. God, we pray together as a church. God, we unite together as a church, and, and we believe and know that you are able to work exceedingly abundantly above all that we can ask or thank you, God. So we join together as a church and we seek your face as a church. Take the hand of the person next to you for a minute. Just go ahead and take the hand of the person next to you as a sign of, of, of praying together. Go ahead and take the hand of the person next to you. You're saying, you know what? Together we are united in prayer before our Father. That's the next one. We pray our Father. We're praying. I want you to pray this. I want you to pray to your Father in heaven. Acknowledge his faithful love as a good father. Pray for a deeper understanding of his fatherhood in 
your life. Join together with somebody in hands being held. You're saying, we pray together. And God, I ask that you would help us to understand how good you are as a father. That your name would be glorified in our life. And as Father God, that we would know that you are loving and gracious and kind and good. And as a church, let our church reflect the fatherhood of God. Now let's pray the next part. Let's pray in heaven. Pray that God uh, would be, first of all, acknowledge that his ways are not like yours. Go ahead and tell him, God, my ways are not like yours. My thoughts are not like your thoughts. Thank God for his strength and control over your family life and church. Take a moment, acknowledge our Father in heaven who is able to do all things in your life. Acknowledge his power and authority in your life. Go ahead and take a moment to do Father, we now pray the next part. Hallowed be your name. Holy. Uh, just thank God for his goodness. As a holy God, acknowledge that even in times of trial, you will trust that he is good. Some of you guys are going through trial right now with your own words. Begin to tell him, Father, you are holy. That means you are good. And God, I will trust your goodness even when my life does not seem good. Go ahead and tell him that. That you will trust his plan and his goodness no matter what. Father, I will trust you no matter what. No matter what. Because you are good. And I trust that. No matter what comes, I trust the good dad that you are. God for the cross of Jesus Christ. Tell Jesus thank you. Tell him I love you. I want to challenge you guys with your own lips out loud. I want you to love on Jesus. Say, Jesus, I love you. Jesus, thank you for the cross. Jesus, you are God. Jesus, you are almighty. Jesus, you are the king. Jesus, you are the savior. Jesus, you are the Lord of all. You are the provider. Jesus, you are the righteous one. Jesus, you are my shield. You are my protector. Jesus, you are my healer. Jesus, you are my victory. You are my banner. Jesus, you are my shepherd. Jesus, you are the one who is near. Jesus, you are all these things. Jesus, you are the one who is and is to come. You are the almighty. Jesus, you are the name above all names. Go ahead and say out loud. Say the name of Jesus. At the name of Jesus, even the demons tremble at the holy name of Yeshua HaMashiach. Jesus, thank you. Thank you. And we pray this in Jesus' name. And everybody said, Amen. Amen. You know what? You can pray. You can pray, guys. All right? Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Let's pray that this week. And uh, see you in the life team and see you on Sunday. God bless y'all. Thank you for listening to the Living Way Church podcast. If you enjoyed this message, we hope you come visit us in Garland, Texas. For directions and more information about the church, go to www.livingwaychurch.cc.